Welcome to the Common Good Show with Juanita Farrow, a show where we inspire and empower you to reach your fullest potential. I believe we are all called to a higher purpose. We should promote acts of love and community for the common good of humanity. And if you want to hear more, go to my website and take a look at my book called The Common Good, Rising of a New Dawn. The website is JuanitaSFarrow.com, J-U-A-N-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-R-O-W.com. Or you can go to Amazon, The Common Good, Rising of a New Dawn. Again, you're listening to The Common Good Show, and I am Juanita Farrow. And wow, do we have a topic for you today. We are going to be talking about something that we need to talk more about in our country, and that is emotional difficulties and mental illnesses, removing the stigma. And I have the perfect guest who is going to talk to us about that, Dr. April Jackson James. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about Dr. April. She is a licensed psychologist with a passion for God, family, and family therapy. Her life's mission to help families, she calls making life better on purpose. In addition to her extensive experience with trouble adolescence, she was the founder and executive director of North Carolina's Dominion Ministry from 1998 to 2008 where they focused on a spiritually-based, holistic approach to solving the problems of life. Dr. April holds a Ph.D. in counseling psychology from Temple University and has completed her postgraduate work at the University of Miami School of Medicine. She most recently has served as the National Director of Mental Health for a nonprofit organization with programs in nine states. She runs a a private practice now called Metamorphosis Life Revitalizing Center that's located in the Tampa, Florida area. And there she has a staff of five professional counselors. She's a wife of Mr. Michael James, and they are the proud parents of two high school-aged daughters. Welcome to the show, Dr. April. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. You are so welcome, and I am so excited about the opportunity to have you on the show talking about a very important subject, emotional difficulties and mental illness. And that is something we just don't talk about enough. But I wanted to ask you right off the bat, is do you think that depression is very common in our country? Well, what I will tell you is that diagnosed depression um, is not as common as we may actually think. However, mm. there are a lot of us walking around who can meet the diagnosis of depression at different times or seasons throughout our life and who never seek the help that is available out there. Um, So I would say diagnosed depression is probably a fairly low incidence, right? Like less than 5% of us. But Mm -hmm. people who actually experience depression at some point in their lives the much, much higher number. Wow, I see. Now, I know that there are, there's some confusion, and a lot of people are probably wondering, if I feel really sad, does that mean I'm depressed? I mean, exactly what is the difference between someone who is just having, um, you know, just feeling sad or feeling down and someone who is depressed. How could someone tell the difference? I love that question. One of the ways to know if I'm just sad is to ask myself, did something happen? 
Mm. Was there a death in the family? Um, am I not happy with my job? Did I just go through a breakup? Is a kid going through a really tough time? Have we just gone through a family transition? If something has happened and you find yourself feeling sad as a result, generally you can be pretty sure that that's exactly what's going on. You're feeling sad because mm-hmm. a life event has occurred. We start to think about the condition or the diagnosis of depression when we stop functioning. So when that sadness turns Mm -hmm. into I'm not eating well or I'm eating everything that there is to eat, Um, I can't get out of bed or I'm waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning. I feel really slowed down or I'm agitated. Um, I am withdrawing from friends and family. I'm crying all the time. That's one of Mm -hmm. the more popular symptoms that, you know, people would look for. But sometimes people will say, I'm not crying, I'm not depressed, but they Mm -hmm. have all these other symptoms that I just named, right, including I can't concentrate and I don't enjoy the things that I used to enjoy. So when you have a combination of those symptoms that I just listed, that's when we want to start thinking about this might be more than just a reaction to this temporary um, change that has happened or this life event that has happened, and I might want to seek out a little bit of help. I see. So you're saying the things perhaps that I used to enjoy and get excitement from, I no longer have a desire for any of that. I don't really want to do anything. It just seems like the world is just kind of standing still and kind of left me behind. That kind of feeling? That is definitely one of the indicators that Mm. we might be dealing with a real depression. For example... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 20-something who successfully got through high school and perhaps college, and they enter the work world, and all of a sudden they find themselves having difficulty concentrating at work, and they, they're not calling their friends. They used to, you know, spend an inordinate amount of time on mm-hmm. social media and with mm-hmm. friends, and now they just kind of go to work and come home, go to work and come home, and they don't even really have the desire to see their friends. They might not be taking their friends' phone calls or answering their texts. That's when we start thinking, yeah, this looks like one of the major symptoms of depression, and, and we should probably take a, a deeper look. And, and you know, and, and depression can happen at almost any age, right? And I think we don't literally associate depression as much with younger people, but that has really come to light, especially with the, the numbers of suicide among our youth and with some, some of the social media issues and bullying. That is very true. Depression can happen from childhood through your elder years. Oh, wow. Um, Yes, yes. It is not something that is localized to a certain age group. It's not something that's localized to any particular group. Uh, What I would say is there is a biological component to some uh, depression. And so it can run in families, and it can sort of Mm. manifest differently for um, various family members. There's so many symptoms that um, go under the rubric of depression that it's easy to have a different constellation than, you know, a cousin had who maybe got diagnosed. And so you feel like, well, I'm not depressed because I'm not doing that, but you're doing some of the other things and feeling some of those other things. In childhood, what I would say is that some behavioral acting out um, may also be the result of not just a sad mood, but a depression. In fact, mm-hmm. um, in the DSM, um, 
the Bible of diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, there is a caveat for teenagers that says they may not have to express sadness or be crying tears at all. They might just be extra irritable and mm-hmm. have a combination of these other symptoms as well. Wow. This is really, really good information, Dr. April. I know that there are a lot of listeners out there who are, you know, this is very, very informative. And But we're going to have to take a short break now, and we're going to come back, and we're going to dig deeper into some of these issues of mental illness and talking about the stigma, which is so um, very important for us to talk more about and shed light on. So we're going to take a short break now, and we will be right back. You've been listening to The Common Good Show, and I've been talking to Dr. April, and we've been talking about emotional difficulties and mental illness. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Common Good Show. Uh, Just before the break, um, we were talking to Dr. April about uh, emotional difficulties and mental illness, and we were specifically talking about depression. And um, the information is just really, really good because, you know, what we're learning is that, you know, depression can happen at any age, and, um, and, and there are differences between just feeling sad and feeling depressed, and Dr. April has shed some light on that. But we want to talk now about um, ADHD, there are there seems to be anyway every time you turn on the news you talk, you hear about more and more instances of ADHD dr april can you tell us what ADHD is and why are so many people being diagnosed for ADHD especially in children so this 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 always feels like a loaded conversation because <laughs> I don't think there's anyone who's ever had to say the words ADHD that doesn't have a very strong opinion about um, the diagnosis or what some may call the overdiagnosis of um, ADHD in our country. So ADHD at at its fundamental nature is actually a neurological condition. It is a way that the brain is organized that makes it difficult for the person to remain calm or still, or it could make it difficult for the person to maintain and control their attention, or it could be some combination of both, inattention, and hyperactivity and impulsivity. So there are different types of ADHD. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, right now, we're probably, the incidence in our country is right around 11-ish percent. But mm-hmm. those people who um, yell about how many people are diagnosed with ADHD are right that the incidence has been creeping up over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone has a theory, including me, and so, you know, I'll give you my little two cents, but everyone has a theory from the food or not food that we eat (laughs) these days, um, how much playtime, outdoor, just creativity, Mm -hmm. I'm not on an Xbox sort of play that happens with kids, to one of the things that I think really has played um, a big role, the role of technology in our country. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe that anything has one cause, so let me just sort of break down my own little theory and say I think all the theories out there have merit, but mm-hmm. what we need to also remember is that ADHD is a neurological condition, which means it gets passed down and that we may have always had the exact same incidence of ADHD, but now we're noticing it because our world and our technology is not as accommodating as the world used to be. 
So I'll give you a quick example of that. Sure. Um, there used to be recess in elementary school. Lots and oh, lots yes, of recess. there did. Yes, and there was PE every day, so physical education and gym class every day. And though we all have horror stories about that, it gave us an opportunity to go outside and get some sunshine and run around and then when we get to high school and there was no more um, recess, there was still PE, and those of us who didn't like sitting in English class or didn't like sitting in math class could balance that out with a wood shop or um, a metals class or something um, more in line with the trades of Mm -hmm. the workforce, and we weren't forced to all be little academics. And now we've gotten away from that. Individuals are having more difficulty in the past few generations as we've sort of gotten away from our trades training. We're having more difficulty balancing out what, might be a neurological condition that the generations before us balanced out just fine and didn't have to diagnose. Ah, That is really interesting, and that makes so much sense because we are more wired than ever, especially with technology. And you just wonder what impact all of that, and like you mentioned, even our food supply, how all of that factors into the cases. Because I know that there have been other countries who are looking at us, who have a very different approach to ADHD and seem to not have as high incidence as we do. So what are they doing differently? Well, what I would say is that a lot of countries just arrange their lives differently. Ah, there you go. There are countries in the world who not only have um, recess in middle school and elementary school, but they have siesta for grown-ups. <laughs> people, people Nothing like a toe. siesta time. Exactly, in the middle of the day. The English have tea yeah. time, and everyone gets yeah. to sit down and relax. Yes. And yes. there is homage paid wow. to relaxation, right? But we are a go, go, go society. We are. And it, we it are. makes us very productive. Yes. Uh, also means that there are people who will struggle to cope with that. One of the things that I want to make sure I emphasize here that I don't think I've said yet is that most of us have some symptoms. So we'll go back, you know, depression, maybe anxiety, maybe attention, hyperactivity. Most of us have some symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. We're coping with them. If we have good support systems, if we've been able to arrange our world in a way that fits for us, we may never reach the point where the symptoms that we have are actually a diagnosis, right? They, they just become little quirks that make us interesting people. And when people describe, hey, have you met so-and-so, they might describe those little quirks and say, oh, yeah, uh-huh. she's this way or that way. Or, <laughs> and, but it's not a diagnosis. It becomes a diagnosis when we struggle to function in our everyday world. And so what's happened, if we're talking about ADHD specifically right now, what's Mm -hmm. happened is that the world has changed and more people are struggling to function in the everyday world. And it manifests itself in neurological symptoms that I said before, I think have always been there, mm-hmm. just fit better in the way our society used to run. Well, I, I think that's, that's an excellent point, is how we manage in this very fast-paced um, environment that we live in. Now, I know that some people are wondering, and may even be reluctant to seek treatment because the first thing they'll say is, I don't want to be on medication. 
um, you know, I know that I'm going to be prescribed medication and I don't want to take medicine. There's a lot of stigma associated with taking medicine as well. So what if someone doesn't want to use medication for a diagnosed illness? Um, and how how does someone know if they may need medication? I mean, how how would you deal with those situations? Well, we deal with that a lot in um, our practice, actually. One of the ways we advertise ourselves is as a psychological practice where we help people decide the course of treatment for what may be mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So not every combination of symptoms means you're running off to a psychiatrist or even your family doctor to get a prescription for something, right? Um, For example, sometimes we have a headache and what's really going on is we're dehydrated. And so you can just drink water. You don't even need a Tylenol, right? You don't don't need an Advil. You just need more water. (laughs) So we think about symptoms in that way. So let's say you're depressed or anxious or you have these attention symptoms. And the first thing we'll try are some basic rearranging of your life maybe. Hey, I know you don't feel like it. I'm not asking you to wait until you feel like it. I just want you to phone a friend. You don't even have to go Mm -hmm. out. Just phone your friend and say, hey, I know I dropped off the earth, but I'm reaching out. How are you doing? Have a conversation. So we ask people before they feel like it to start putting the things that they are not quite enjoying as much back into their life. What else might we do? Okay, you might be feeling a little anxious. Well, let me teach you some deep breathing exercises. Let me teach you some um, exercises that will help you distract yourself from the thoughts that are making you anxious. If you find that you are forgetting things, little child that we suspect may have ADHD, or grown-up who's feeling Mm -hmm. overwhelmed Mm -hmm. in their life and might have symptoms of ADHD, if you're finding you're forgetting things, losing things, um, that you're not paying quite enough attention, we teach you to make effective lists, to put reminders on your phone where bells will go off and tell you, don't forget to pick up the milk, Um, that you always put your homework in the exact same red folder every day, and every day before you leave the house to go to the bus stop, you put your hand on that red folder inside the book bag, and then you go to the bus stop. So we teach different sort of coping mechanisms, adaptations that can sort of help you deal with the places where you aren't functioning well. And when those work, then you don't need to think about medication. It's when those things don't work and Mm. things start getting worse that we start having conversations about whether or not some sort of medication intervention would help. So you don't automatically start on medication as soon as someone comes in and presents and get a diagnosis. It's a gradual process that could lead to that, but may not necessarily. You may never, ever get there. So no, wow. we don't. We don't. Yeah. In fact, I think, it's, I think it's a mistake to start with medication. There just is no magic pill. There is no, you know, magic constellation of medicines that you can take that make your life better. And so everyone could benefit from some of the other types of interventions that are out there. In fact, research says that particularly with depression and anxiety, the um, best evidence-based interventions are a combination of uh, coping Mm -hmm. skills and Mm -hmm. perhaps a medication intervention. Gotcha. So now, what would you say about someone who feels that they can get better on their own without treatment necessarily? I mean, you know, they have a close friend and they're telling the friend about all these problems. The friend thinks that maybe they need to 
to go see someone, but they're feeling, you know, I, I can I can get through this on my own. Well, I'll make you laugh. I I don't quote Dr. Phil a lot, but he says this thing that I think is just golden. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> ah, I if love it. What you're there doing you go. is not working, then it's time to try something else. Now, right. many times it's going to take longer than 24 hours, longer than a week. You might want to tough it out for a month or so. But if you find whatever is bothering you, is just dragging on and on, then it's time to get some help. That makes perfect sense, absolutely. One of the the things that um, I think many people struggle with is, you know, the the stigma that exists for mental health. Um, And, you know, we have no problem most of the time going to the doctor for when we have a physical condition, you know, we're we're not, you know, feeling well, we have a cold or, you know, maybe there's, um, you know, some heart issues or diabetes or whatever. We'll go to the doctor and we'll get treatment. But when it comes to mental illness, for whatever reason, there's such a stigma there that we see that very differently. We don't see that as a disease or as an illness. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, it's very, very true. Um, For a long time, even fairly treatable things like ADHD were just considered behavioral problems, right? Mm -hmm. People say things like, just get over it. Just move on. Tough it out. You have to get stronger. And the truth of the matter is, most of these things have a hormonal basis or it is controlled by how um, the level of neurotransmitters we have available to our brain, the types of neurotransmitters. We have available to our brain things like serotonin and dopamine, norepinephrine. I don't know how many of us can tough out and just get stronger and produce some dopamine. Like, I don't think that that's (laughs) a realistic expectation for most of us. Um, And so the fact that we thought of these behavioral, emotional, or mental health uh, problems as uh, things that are under our total control, that's contributed to the stigma, right? There's Mm -hmm. also this phenomenon that I like to call the Harriet Tubman phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. Think about Harriet Tubman, and if I ever, you know, get to meet her in the promised land, I'm going to hug her and then I'm going to pinch her really hard because <laughs> okay. she has created this image of strength and perseverance mm. and you just move through life. Mm-hmm. And, the truth, and it's not her fault. We have other images of this, right? She's sure. the one that stands out for me. Right. right. But that image makes most of us think that even if we shed a tear, that we're not strong. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that there are people who have gone through the worst of the worst, the way Miss Tubman did when she was, you know, rescuing and freeing slaves. I am absolutely sure that every now and then around 2 a.m., she might have shed a personal quiet tear that she didn't share with everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I just have to believe <laughs> that if Jesus wept, Harriet wept. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. And so we have to understand that everyone goes through something. 
And I'd love to see us as a society, as individuals within communities and families, just be a little more um, kind to one another when Mm -hmm. we're going through, right? Mm -hmm. To say, I know you can get through this. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to help you get the help you can need because I know you can come out on the other side. That's so different from, are you serious? Come on, be strong, tough it out, be a man. You know, those things are just brutal. Yeah, it's not healthy at all. Exactly. They leave people um, with no other option but to be one of those 100-year oak trees that finally just, fall to the ground during a hurricane and get uprooted, where with help they could be a palm tree that just bends and you know which direction the wind came from. Mm, that's beautiful. And the next day the people come out and they tie the ropes up so the palm tree, you know, has some support to straighten itself back out. Oh, that is so beautiful. That's a tweetable moment. <laughs> I love yes. that. I love that. Absolutely. So, so we need to do more in our, our society about the stigma. And you just touched on some of that just then in terms of, you know, in our society being more supportive of people um, in general who are going through something instead of saying just suck it up and move on, you know, just be more kind. And, and I absolutely agree with you. Yes, yes. It is just so it's, it's so it's not, you know, like a like a kindergarten be nice to your neighbor, right? It's, it's 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 a recognition that families exist for the purpose of creating a safety net. Friendship networks are there for the purpose mm-hmm. of creating a safety net. If you have somebody at work, a coworker who used to be a are and they're not shining quite as brightly, you know, why can't you or I or, or anyone be the one that reaches out and says, hey, I noticed you seemed a little down. You know, I just, I wanted you to know you're not alone if you want to chat, um, if you uh-huh. want to grab some tea or some coffee. You know, I'm here. And be that person that just wipes away the stigma for a fellow human being. And, and do you feel that there's more stigma in our in our society for um, of some populations and, and groups than others? Does it vary depending on ethnicity or race or in certain communities? Well, I'll tell you, I think there is just the stigma, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think the busy professional mother um, feel so much weight to just perform, right, and to mm-hmm. and to compete with all the other PTA moms, right? Mm-hmm. I think men believe that they are not allowed to show emotion mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I believe African American people mm-hmm. believe. Well, I'll tell you a story about that one. I actually do a workshop called Baby. We don't have time to be depressed. Uh, when, I, <laughs> wow. when I told my great-grandmother back in probably 1986 or 7, when I was a senior in high school, that mm-hmm. I was going off to college to major in psychology, she was very worried about me. And her stance was that we didn't have time to be depressed. Who was going to be you know, my caseload. <laughs> you know, who was going to come see me? <laughs> wow. And, and that's so, probably true, too. That's probably yes. how many people think. It's like we just, we're too busy to be yes. depressed. Yes, you're absolutely and, right. And you can go, you know, we're talking about the African-American community specifically for this example. Sure. but. You can go to a barbershop and a, you know, a beauty salon, oh, to church. Mm. And, you know, we look at each other a little crazy if we ex- 
express more than the allotted amount of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even heard people say things like, well, I wouldn't want to give God a bad name. I don't want to mess up somebody else's faith. Um, you know, they, they mm-hmm. rely on me here at the church to be strong. And my response is always, you know, you go through a divorce, if you lose a mother or a father, if, God forbid, you lose a child, if that is not the time for some tears, some grief, some mourning, mm-hmm. when in the world would be? You know, when are we allowed to feel a full range of emotions and call the recovery from that strong? Call mm-hmm. of help so that so that we can function through it. Why don't we call that strong, right? Change the definition of what mm. we think is strong. And like that palm tree that I mentioned, bending in the face of a category four hurricane is my strength. That bending is my strength because I'm still here the next day, right? Wow, that is so, no words, that is just so powerful. I know that there are other coping mechanisms, and I want to talk about that. Um, We need to take another break, but I really want to hear more about um, some of the coping mechanisms and maybe the role that the church can play or meditation and prayer, some things that we can do, maybe some healthy practices um, that we can do to start um, coping better with things happening in our society. I mean, especially now, we uh, we live at a time where there just seems to, on the news to be constant uh, turmoil. You turn on the news and there's always something going on that creates anxiety. I heard someone say just recently that people in the country are walking around with anxiety and very anxious about many of the things happening around the world nowadays. So it's it's just a different time and we want to be uh, we want to promote healthy practices and things that people can start doing now to help uh, you know lead more um, lead better lives and and able to cope a little bit better. But we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to be back with Dr. April to talk more about uh, mental illness and stigma and some things that maybe we can do to either support others or for ourselves um, to feel better. You've been listening to The Common Good Show with Juanita Farrow, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Common Good Show with Juanita Farrow. And we have had a very, very informative, very interesting show and really shedding a lot of light on mental illness and the stigma associated with mental illness. But also, we want to talk about some healthy practices. And we've touched on this a little bit. But I'm going to ask you, Dr. April, if you can talk more about some of the coping mechanisms and how we can do more either in our lives or either supporting others to lead a more healthy and balanced life. Can you talk about that a little bit? I sure can. I sure can. Um, When people come to me and they are really motivated um, to stay off medication, right? If they say, yeah. I came to you because you are a psychologist and you do not prescribe, I take that very seriously. And one of the things that I always find myself saying is, if you were only going to take a pill, the doctor would tell you to take that pill every day. So if you're fully committed to making your life better, getting rid of some of these symptoms that we're talking about, then it means dedicating 
yourself to some of these coping mechanisms that I'm about to talk about mm-hmm. every day. Every single day. So at the top of the list are things like eating healthy food and exercising. So why? Because food is fuel. And one of the things that happens to us when we are in a funk or feeling anxious um, is that it affects our appetite. Yes. And our body doesn't function as well mm-hmm. without good fuel. And unfortunately, as much as I love cake and mashed potatoes <laughs> <laughs> and wax nostalgic about that jug of Kool-Aid... <laughs> Those won't help me <laughs> when I'm going through something. Oh, my goodness. I know, and, and that's I, the first thing yes. you want to reach for. It's like that yes, cookie or that exactly. piece of chocolate is going to solve all my problems. Yes. Exactly. I've done a, a, a presentation as well. All my presentations have funny names. But I've done a presentation called Mashed Potatoes Make Me Happy. And it, no. is, about, it is about the fact that mashed potatoes do the same thing to your brain as antidepressants do, only the mashed potatoes don't last as long, so you end up with a lot of extra weight because you keep eating them. <laughs> wow. So food is fuel, and your body needs the correct type of fuel in order to help you on your trek to be healthy. Exercise is very similar. Exercise Mm -hmm. produces endorphins and all Mm -hmm. sorts of healthy neurotransmitters. So exercise is your friend. Um, The other thing is that all of these conditions that we talked about and a host of other ones in that uh, diagnosis manual that I told you about earlier, almost all of the conditions are exacerbated by stress. And so what exercise does is gives us a body work for lowering our stress level. It takes the physical symptoms of stress and starts to bring them under our control. It starts to tame them, okay? So that, those two things, eating healthy and exercising, are sort of the foundation for taking good care of yourself. There's also this wonderful thing called laughter. Um, You mentioned how we're all walking around right now with just a little bit of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, Mommy and Daddy are fighting, and so the kids are really uncomfortable. And when I say that, I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. Um, And so... Great analogy. (laughs) So we're all walking around like, are we going to be okay? Are we getting divorced? Are we? Do we have to move? (laughs) Will I get to go to my same school? (laughs) Do I get to keep my friends? True, so true. It is a very difficult time for all of us. And so as much as we can intentionally one of my tagline for the for for metamorphosis is making life better on purpose it means doing all of these things with intention and so i'm talking about literally turning off Mm -hmm. the people arguing on the television and turning on somebody telling some jokes turning on the funniest movie we've ever watched, Um, getting together with friends and just enjoying ourselves in a place that has beautiful scenery and laughter. Um, That is a part of our self-care. Very similar to that is spending time with positive people, Um, making more time in our life for Mm -hmm. people who bring us up as opposed to people 
who drag us down. There is absolutely nothing redeeming about constant criticism. Most of us do that very well. We Go should ahead. look at the people. We should look at the people around us in our lives, because that tells us a lot about the the um, support system that we have. I mean, are they supporting you, or really are they criticizing and tearing you down? Because there are people in our circle that may not be benefiting us or helping exactly. us to lead healthy lives. Yeah. Exactly. And in worst case scenario, may even be toxic, which means mm. they're killing us, which means mm-hmm. we have to get away from them, right? And that's not easy. It's not easy sure. to make a decision like that. Mm-hmm. But that's worst case scenario. Most of the time, we just need to put a boundary around that person and spend less time with them and more time with more positive people. Open right. up our lives in a way that we perhaps make some new friends. Um, I think one of the other things that goes along with that is what we've been talking about, getting help. Mm-hmm. Um, there are life coaches out there, people who help you set goals and figure out how to go find more laughter and positivity and better jobs and manage your work-life balance and find the career you really want, there's help out there for that too. Um, We do some of that here at the office for busy executives and for that busy professional mother that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, finding people who don't just do mental health but help with – helping you find the kind of life that you want. Right. Um, And then being willing to go see your doctor or a counselor. Um, We talked about the church. Mm -hmm. Prayer and meditation are critical. It's like grown-up recess, right? It's like take a minute to get quiet and to spend some time with spirit. One of the things that I haven't talked about and I won't take up a lot of time because I know our time is short, but we are mind, body, and spirit. We are not mind, body, or spirit. We, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we are one connected being, and when our body hurts, we, you know, our emotions can, can be worse and our mind can be clouded because of it. And, and when our emotions are clouded and our, and our, our mind is in a jumble, it, it mm-hmm. affects spirit because we are one being, right? That's right. Putting in those things that actually take care of your spirit. Um, It doesn't matter what your, um, if you're a Christian or Muslim or Jewish or of no faith at all, finding things that feed your spirit Mm -hmm. is absolutely important to all of us. Um, And then finally, I would say, you know, you get healthy food, exercise, laughter and positivity. You get help and quiet time or prayer and meditation and, you know, being willing to admit you're not okay and reach out to people who can support you while you make it better. You always want to make sure that your self-care is matching the level of pain that you're in. So you want to put in the time that's required that matches your stress level or your level of symptoms. If you feel miserable every day, all day, and you're Mm -hmm. exercising once a week, it's not enough. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. I like that. And I know that someone out there listening to the show that's been listening this past hour um, at all that you've been saying about, you know, depression, ADHD, you know, the stigma and all the coping mechanisms that we can um, have for us in our lives. And they are somewhat stuck and really, um, you know, dealing with these issues or problems that they've been dealing with for a long period of time, just not feeling well, so to speak, mentally. What would you say to them right now? I would say that there is help out there. Yes. And that our office 
is willing to help you find the help that you need. There's no way, you know, we here at Metamorphosis can, Metamorphosis can treat everyone in the world. But we certainly know how to help you find mm. what you need out there um, in your community. Um, we do coaching activities across state lines, but we don't do counseling across state lines. But we do a lot of helping people find the counseling that they need in the community that they're in. And sometimes it's not easy. So the second thing I would say to people is persevere. Mm -hmm. This is your life we're talking about. Interview people. Look for someone that you make a connection with, somebody who speaks to your spirit doesn't have to be the first person you stumble across. There are counselors out there who work on a sliding fee scale. There are people out there who have flexible hours, who work um, on Saturdays or who have hours after you get off work. And keep looking. Keep looking and be determined to be that palm tree. Persevere and bend for the sake of your own self-care, and well-being. Wow. And that is a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Dr. Abel. Please tell the listeners how they can can reach you to follow up after the show. They need to reach you and, and get more information or take you up on your suggestion to at least point them in the right direction. Correct, correct. You can go to our website, at betteronpurpose.com. That's exactly how it sounds, B-E-T-T-E-R-O-N-P-U-R-P-O-S-E.com, betteronpurpose.com. My personal email is drj, that's D-R-J, at betteronpurpose.com. And either one of those ways of reaching out Mm -hmm. is a good start to begin looking for what you need. Awesome. Thank you so much for this very, very informative program. I really appreciate uh, you and all that you're doing to help people to live better lives. And thank you so much for being on our show. It has been an incredible show. We've learned so much. Thank you so much for having me and for letting me spread the message that there's hope and help out there. Absolutely. You've been listening to The Common Good Show. Stay tuned for another show next week. Thank you for joining us.